Our second scripture this morning is Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled the boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Loving Christ, as we come seeking you, what we find is you already seeking us. As we gather around your word, may it enter into our hearts, may it enliven our spirits so that we might go from this place with you to bless the world you love. Amen. Choir, thank you. That was just gorgeous. Thank you. So here we are on the first Sunday of Lent, beginning our Lenten journey this year with that theme, Wandering Heart. Our theme invites us, as I mentioned before, to think of the journey this year not as a straight line path, but as more of a weaving wander. Yes, a correct step here, but maybe a more meandering one there, or maybe even a stumble up the steps. Our theme gives us permission to, it invites us to wander and maybe even to wonder along the way. Every year we say that our Lenten journey is a journey with Jesus towards Holy Week to the cross and beyond. And this year we pick up another traveling companion as we will travel with Peter, also called Simon or Simon Peter. We'll try to see this journey through his eyes or at least with some empathy for his weaving and wandering. So as we set off, maybe we should begin with some introductions. Who is this Simon Peter? I bet we already know a few things about him. So let's see. When you think of Simon Peter, the disciple Peter, what comes to mind? And this is where you get to yell things out in church. In a word or a phrase, 
when you think of the disciple Peter, what comes to mind? The cock crowing three times and Peter denying Christ three times. Yes, what else? Who do you say that I am? That's the question that Jesus asks. And how did Peter do with the answer? He did pretty well. He said, you're the Messiah. Peter's the one who, who got that question right. Anything else? Peter actually, Jessica's given away the scripture for three, three weeks from now. <laughs> Pete, Jesus is walking on the water and he calls Peter out of the boat. And eventually Peter starts to sink and get scared. But Peter actually walks on the water. He starts walking on the water out to Jesus. That's excellent. All, that's right. All of the above. Peter has some complexity. By way of introduction, here's what we know about Peter from the biblical stories and also from what we know about the world he inhabited. Peter was a fisherman. He was a fisherman in a family business with his brother Andrew and their father. We know he had a mother-in-law, remember a couple weeks ago, so he must have had a wife who doesn't get mentioned at all in Scripture. From a couple of weeks ago, we know that Peter, Andrew, and Peter's mother-in-law and probably more extended family all lived together in what was like a family compound that was fairly typical for their day. Archaeologists have found boats from that time. Can you believe it? They've found boats from that time that show evidence of being patched and repatched and repatched. So fishermen were pretty much like most folks in their day. They weren't wealthy. They lived a bare subsistence living, earning just enough each day to survive, they hoped. So in today's story, when they haven't caught any fish after a full night of fishing, it's a real possibility that folks will go hungry that next day. Simon Peter starts off as a fisherman, and we know that eventually Jesus calls Peter as a disciple. Jesus calls Peter to go off on a wander with him. According to the gospel writers, all of them, Peter was in an inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, John, sometimes Andrew, who had intimate access to Jesus. They are there with Jesus for moments that others are not. When Jesus sends the crowds away, sometimes this inner circle gets to remain with him. There are a few miracles that only they witness. They are there for the transfiguration, remember last week, and they are there with Jesus in Gethsemane in those last moments. And even so, the gospel writers like to point out that Peter and this inner circle, most of the time, they don't understand what they're seeing. As Jesus' life unfolds and his death and his resurrection, they are right there with us, bewildered. They are wandering and watching and figuring things out right there along with us. Peter is a mixed bag. He has some complexity. He gives up everything and follows Jesus. He gets that the transfigure is, transfiguration is something big, but then fumbles around talking about building huts on top of the mountain. Peter is the one who says, you are the Christ. And then moments later when Jesus says, yes, I am, and I will suffer and die and be raised, Peter rebukes Jesus, no, you won't. And Jesus rebukes Peter, get behind me, Satan. Peter, in one of the Gospels, is one of the disciples who prepares the upper room. Then, 
just a little later in the Garden of Gethsemane, he falls asleep. When the soldiers come to arrest Jesus in one gospel, Peter cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers. Peter is fiercely loyal, and just hours later, Peter is the disciple who, as predicted, denies Jesus three times. And even so, after resurrection at Pentecost, Peter is the one who stands up and explains everything that is going on. He explains resurrection and Pentecost and Jesus. Peter becomes a leader in the emerging early church, an organizer, a preacher, a healer, a visionary, a teacher, and a martyr. Peter will die for all this. What are we to make of this Simon Peter? As I was reading this week, I started to underline how writers and scholars describe him pretty much with the same variety that we did just a little earlier. Here are some of the words they use. Outspoken, eager, impulsive, loyal, denying, remorseful, trusting, at sometimes fearful, at times courageous, curious, questioning, full of humility, and full of zeal. One writer describes him as a person flawed in character who is at the same time earnest in following Jesus. I guess there's a compliment somewhere in there. Another writer calls him a close but not always reliable companion of Jesus. Last week I said that Peter and that inner circle of disciples that they stumble and fumble their way toward Jesus. I stand by that and I can relate. So out of all the people in the world, how does Jesus come to seek out and call this eager but fallible Simon Peter? How does Peter, this fisherman, come to set off on a wander with Jesus who is turning the world right side up? Now remember we're in the Gospel of Luke. In Matthew and Mark, whose telling of this story may be familiar, more familiar, the call to Simon Peter is quick and straightforward. Jesus finds Simon Peter and his brother fishing, mending their nets, and says, come follow me, and they get up and they go. But here in Luke, there's a whole story to it. Luke takes his time in the telling. Did you notice that in Luke's version, Jesus doesn't even say the words, come follow me? It all unfolds in the telling of this story. How does Jesus come to seek out and call Simon Peter? There is a lot more to it that we will discuss, but maybe at the outset, maybe we should just say this. Jesus calls Peter by going fishing with him. At the beginning of the story, Jesus and Peter are doing what they do respectively. Jesus is teaching, Peter is fishing. We're in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is turning the world right side up. He has just announced, Jesus has just announced, the Spirit is upon me, I've come to bring good news to the poor, healing for every hurt, freedom for the oppressed, and now Jesus is living that out. He's teaching and healing, and the crowds are building and building and building, and the crowds crowd in, he's at the lake shore, and they have him backed up against the water, pressing in, and Jesus sees Peter's boat. Jesus climbs into the boat and says, take me out just a little way from shore, and Peter does, and there they are, Peter in the boat with Jesus, the crowd on the shore, as Jesus continues teaching from the boat. 
And then when Jesus wraps that up, he turns to Peter, the fisherman, and says, well, now let's go catch some fish. Maybe it's out of gratitude for the use of the boat. Maybe because Jesus sees that Peter and his partners haven't done so well with their catch. Maybe because he knows that families may not have fish to eat. Peter, tired from a night of futile fishing, says, Master, we've fished all night and they're not biting or whatever the equivalent is that for when you're fishing with nets. Jesus persists, put your boat out to deep water and let down your nets on the other side of the boat. Let's go deep and try something different. And they do, and behold, so many fish. So many fish that they can't put them, pull them all in. Their nets are about to break, so they call in the second boat and they haul in the catch together. Now, I have always imagined Jesus on the boat telling the disciples what to do. A Jesus that doesn't really get his hands dirty. But there's nothing in the scripture that necessarily says that. What if we imagine that Peter and Andrew and James and John and Jesus are all there straining together to pull in this large haul of fish so that people can eat. And when the catch is in, after they've made sure that the boats don't sink from the weight of the haul, Peter takes in the wild abundance of what just happened and he says to Jesus, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. That's his reaction. Not, wow. Not, thank you. Somehow in all that, Simon Peter, this fisherman, he sees something in Jesus, something big. Peter sees the power and presence and provision of God at work in Jesus. That's confirmed when Jesus says, be not afraid, because remember, that's what angels say when humans encounter the divine and they are afraid, like Peter is afraid. It's just a glimpse, but Peter gets it. This something big, not all of it, but Peter gets a glimmer of God. As this morning's scripture starts, Jesus and Peter are doing what they do respectively, teaching and fishing. Not halfway through the story, they are doing it together, and they do it in abundance beyond what humble fishermen can imagine. Jesus calls Peter by going fishing with him. And in that experience of abundance and amazement, even with a little fear, Peter leaves everything and follows Jesus. As we set off on this Lenten wander with Jesus and Peter, I want to notice two things. First, Jesus seeks out, calls, and invites Simon Peter as he is. I've been reading Cole Arthur Riley's This Here Flesh. It is amazing. She has an essay in there on calling where she says that she has always hoped for a voice from outside to tell her what to do next. Wouldn't that be nice? She wonders what it would be like to experience a calling outside of you, calling you to an open door, and you walk through the door like there is no other way. But then she says, that's never happened for her. She remembers Howard Thurman's wisdom that before we ask the question, who will we be or who should we be, the better, more essential and harder question is, who are you right now? 
she remembers Howard Thurman's wisdom that our calling into the next new day begins by listening for the sound of the genuine within us. Who are you now? Jesus seeks out Peter just as Peter is. We started this morning asking, who is Simon Peter? Maybe as we set out with them on this Lenten wander, a worthy first question for us might be, who are we now? Who am I now? Who are you now? And the second thing, and this is the one that's really blown my mind this week. In this scripture, what Jesus is calling Peter into here is a relationship, not a transaction. What Jesus is calling Peter into here is a relationship, not a transaction. I think we can start to think of calling as transactional, like a job search on Indeed.com. What's the next thing I should do? Or as I say, what's the work that's ours to do? That's not a bad question, but maybe it's not the first one. Let's, let's figure it out. Let's get busy with the task. That's fresh on my mind as we renewed my call here just last week. And I remember saying, I feel very called to be here. But as I left, I thought, what did I mean by that? As I thought about that this past week and worked with the scripture, what I feel called to is to be in relationship with you in community here. And then using that lens and think, thinking and reflecting back over my life and doing some framing, when I was called to the seminary, it was into relationship in that learning community through what ended up being a time of particular distress. When Janie invited me to be, Janie Spar invited me to be one of her lawyers, she called me into a relationship in a community of advocacy. Every call, as I look back, was into a relationship, into a community. I didn't think that at the time, but of course it was. Look at the people I've met along the way, the relationships I've made. Do the same in your life. Also fresh on my mind is that the nominating committee will be getting underway in the next month or so, discerning who will help lead this community and how. What if we thought of those conversations not as an ask to do work? Definitely not thinking of them as an imposition, but thinking of them as an invitation into relationship. An invitation into relationship in the community of the deacons, these amazing folks who live out our tender mercies. Or an invitation into relationship in the justice-centered community of church and society, working together to figure out how we might house a refugee, or working to figure out how we might be better neighbors to our neighbors in Marin City, or how we might stand against the horrors unfolding in Gaza and stand for the people there. Or what if we thought of it as an invitation into relationship in a community that cares for these buildings and the hospitality that we extend here, or the part of our community that shapes and leads our lifelong learning here. As we take these first steps in our Lenten journey with these wandering hearts, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, maybe this is a good first question too. What relationship are you being called into? Wherever you are, 
whatever the challenges and joys of this particular moment, what relationship are you, are we being called into? And then a close corollary of that question or maybe a help and discernment, these relationships that we're being called into, how might they look like good news for the poor, healing for every broken place, and freedom for the oppressed? In the scripture, Jesus seeks out and calls Peter into relationship, into community, not first and foremost into the work that his, is his to do, that will come, but primarily and essentially into life together, life that is turning the world right side up. Jesus calls Peter into relationship, into the community that will wander through towns and villages, healing and teaching and bringing good news. Jesus calls him into the community that will gather at the table at the Last Supper, into the community that will grieve the deep horror and loss of crucifixion, into the community that will experience the wonder and new life forever of resurrection. Jesus seeks out and calls Peter as he is, such as he is, and Jesus calls him into this relationship of teaching and learning, of brokenness and healing, of fumbling, stumbling and correction, of always welcoming in, of life and death and of life all over again. I almost wish this were a communion Sunday. So I could say that invitation out loud as we move to the table, so I could say that it is Christ's own and say that it is for everyone and say that it is for you and then ask, won't you come? <laughs>